welcome to a new episode of Field Days, a podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days. I'm Greg Straub, sitting alongside Chris Gouts as always. We have a great show for you today. We have Chef Jimmy Hill from the Lakeland Correctional Facility. He is the food tech instructor down there, and it's going to be a fun interview. So, might as well just get to it. Well, Chris, I'm excited to have on today Chef Jimmy Hill from the Lakeland Correctional Facility. Chef Hill started his, his career with the department in 1985 as a food service supervisor in the Ionia prison area. And from there, in 1989, he left to go to Lakeland, where he's at now, into his current position of food tech instructor. Chef Hill has his bachelor's degree in food service management, hotel, motel, restaurant from Ferris State University. And Chef Hill is the vice president of the American Culinary Federation Lansing Chapter, and he has been that since 2010. So welcome, Chef Hill. We appreciate you coming on Field Days today. Thank you very much for having me. So we want to talk to you. You know, you got a lot of stuff going on in Lakeland, um, especially over the holidays, and we kind of want to talk to you about your background first. So, you know, I, I kind of covered your bio, but I'm sure there's much more to your background and your passion for cooking than I can give you credit for in that bio. So can you talk about your background, how you became a chef, and kind of your passion for cooking? Well, it, it started uh, actually in my uh, my home. My mother was a dietitian for the Muskegon General Hospital. I'm originally from Muskegon Heights, Michigan, and so she was a uh, dietitian at the hospital, and my father, we we basically sold a barbecue. Uh, so I was always around food, and I, I think it just basically drawed me in. Uh, I would I would spend a lot of time in the kitchen with my mother, and then uh, when my father was preparing uh, those dinners uh, to sell, I would split that time up and you know, kind of hang out with him. And so food just became a part of me, and it, it led me to where I am today. So when did you start cooking? Uh, I, I can recall my first dish that I made. Yeah. Uh, I was eight years old, and it was actually a mistake. I was trying to cook a chicken and rice uh, soup, and I overcooked it, and it became, the longer you cook it, it, it cooked down and it became a stew. Um, and so when I let my parents taste it, they was like, oh, Jimmy, this is pretty good. And so I took some next door to my neighbors, and they said, you know, Jimmy, this, this is pretty good. They didn't know it was a mistake. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, but I continued to do it. So for like the rest of the week, I kept making that uh, that chicken and rice stew. And it got to the point to where my neighbors were like, oh, Lord, here he comes again with that chicken and rice. <laughs> Uh, but that got me into uh, the, the the passion, I guess, came from that because it, it felt good to prepare that meal, even though that it was a mistake. Uh, by the end of the week, I kind of straightened it out, and I knew that the longer you cook something, the more it would cook down, the more that it would, you know, concentrate the flavors, and, and it got me to that point. So... That's, that was my first dish that I can remember. Well, that's a that's a great story. And you know, Chris, Chef Hill's being modest right now, and we, to everybody in the department knows that he, you know he's a 
he's a celebrity around here because he was just he was just highlighted in the uh, the Hour Detroit magazine. So I know I know you didn't mention that Sheffield, but I will because I know Chris will get into it later with you in the, in the interview. But congrats on a wonderful article in the Hour Detroit magazine. Thank you very much. Yes, and so you are doing some stuff, a lot of great stuff over there at Lakeland, and your program, you know, is obviously being recognized in magazines and. So can you talk about kind of your pro- what program you have over there, the culinary arts program, what kind of what it is, the importance of it, um, what do the prisoners do? Can you just give us an overview of the program? Well, basically, for all intents and purposes, it, it's a cooking class. Uh, we pay more attention to the finer uh, details of, of cooking. So it's more of plated uh, entrees where, you know, we take the time to prepare the food, um, place it to make sure it's, it's properly uh, centered on the plate and that's where the detail part comes in at so other than that uh, it, 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 it is it's a cooking class we just pay more attention to uh, to the detail uh, we do everything here at the at the facility in the class just like you would go to a, a restaurant uh, the class consists of safety and sanitation all the way through to catering. Uh, there's there's four, for example, there are different sections like hotel and lodging, where we teach them about uh, working in, in the hotels and motels, which also we, we have uh, a national certificate that uh, they can receive. So when they leave, they'll have that credential. And then it goes from that to portion control, um, short order cookery, commercial cookery, uh, salads, sauces, seafood, throughout into the different ends of baking and uh, pastries. And so along in that same, with that same certificate, that first certificate, we also have a serve safe certificate, which is what you see when you go to the restaurants. Uh, there have to be at least two people certified at a restaurant with, uh, with a serve safe certificate. So we give them that here also. That is good for five years. And the third certificate that they receive is a Pro Start 1 and 2 certificate, which is backed by the American Culinary Federation. And that is taught in the high school juniors and seniors receive uh, that training. And so those are the three major certificates that we give so they, they can leave and, and be equipped to go out there and secure a job. Well, and it, it sounds like, you know, they are highly certified. And, yes, sir. And which is a huge bonus for us when they leave so that they can be employed, like you just said. So it sounds like, you know, your, your program's doing some great things. Uh, for the long-term success of our offenders. And I know Chris just recently went down there and um, was able to enjoy some of the food. I, I haven't had the opportunity to do that we yet. Gotta but we got to get you down I here. know. Chris came back raving about it. He's, he's talking about it in the podcast. So, um, yeah, i got to get down there. And it, But it's, it's a great program. And it, like you, just your explanation, they're highly certified people coming out of prison, which is a huge bonus for us. So um, great stuff happening down there. Yes, sir. Well, like uh, like Greg said, you know, you were just featured in the Hour Detroit magazine. I was just wondering if you could just talk about that and, and what you what you thought of that and, and what kind of response you've been getting uh, since that's come out. Well, it was just currently uh, released 
I, I received my copy in the mail on Friday. Uh, I think that they really hit the newsstands today. Um, so it's the, Detroit, it's the December issue of uh, Detroit Hour magazine. And since uh, just over the weekend, I've probably received an additional 10 to 15 different chefs who basically friended me on Facebook. Uh, and so in terms of the connections that it makes, uh, I think that's going to be a good thing because because it's a Detroit area, metropolitan area, most of my class, the students are from the metro area. And so basically what I'm hoping is that it will draw attention to those guys so when they get out, uh, they will have that extra that extra step to, to walk towards this culinary career in that area. There's a lot of guys who are different chefs who believe in giving uh, these guys second chances because, I mean, one thing for sure, we're, we're going to always eat and there's going to always be food service jobs. There's somewhere in the area of 250 to 300,000 jobs, food service jobs out there that uh, need to be filled. And so it's my hopes that uh, these guys will be able to uh, get into the workforce and, and be productive uh, as, as they leave here, when they, when they leave here. Yeah, and, and, and you're obviously a, a big part of that, aside from just you know giving them the, the, the skills that they need and, and how to cook. But uh, I was talking with your warden over the weekend uh, about the article, and, uh, and she was really singing your praises, as she always does. Uh, but but she she kind of went a step further and really and said that uh, you know that you're more than just a chef you're a life coach and you you encourage an entrepreneurial mindset uh, and you review business plans uh, for prisoners who are developing and thinking about blending culinary arts and their business marketing ideas so um, you're obviously going a step further not just teaching them how to do it but actually how to you know make it practical uh, on the in the real world so that's uh, real kudos to you that's going to really help them when they get out yes sir. Um, since we're uh, since we're talking about that, I mean, you've been doing this for for quite a while now. Are there prisoners that have have left your program that have paroled and gotten out that, that have uh, gotten jobs in some of these uh, higher end restaurants? Uh, they have. Since we've been able to uh, track them, I've, I've known uh, of two uh, for sure. Uh, one was a student who went on to uh, finish his food service associate's degree at Schoolcraft College in Livonia, Michigan. And when he was in the class, he was my sous chef. And he would always say, Chef, man, this, this, is, this has been an eye-opener for me. I'm telling you, I'm never coming back. I'm going to take this and do something with it. And he said, I'm, I'm going to prove it to you one day. And he used to say that throughout, you know, that, that step when he was in the kitchen with me. And sure enough, he... Uh, he paroled and he went out and he did what he said he was going to do. He went to school, Craft College. He enrolled. He completed his um, his curriculum. His got his two year degree. And I haven't heard from him since he graduated, um, which was probably a year or so ago, May. So I haven't uh, heard from him since then. But as far as I know, he's doing well. And then there's another 
uh, resident who was here, and uh, he was uh, he was a very energetic guy. Uh, Terrence Wallace is his name. He he went on to uh, to leave the facility. He enrolled in class. He completed his uh, degree, and he went on to be. Uh, he worked several places. He finally got a, uh, a chance to work at Nantucket. Uh, it's, it's a yacht club in uh, New York. And so uh, he has since left there last last week or so. He received uh, the word that he was going to be the executive chef at uh, St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. So he's now the executive chef at a resort area in uh in St. Thomas. Well, so he, he has definitely done well and he always says that uh, you know it was it was because of here. I'm not quite sure that was the reason why, but uh, he, he definitely had a passion for for food service. Yeah. Uh, but he does, he every chance he gets he he brings that up to people that uh, he was incarcerated and it was the incarceration part that got him on the right track to find out exactly what it, it was he wanted to do in life, and that was to serve people. And there was no better way to do that than and through culinary arts. So I, I thought that was uh, that was a good thing. Well, well, I think you're being modest. I think it, you, what you did for him was probably a, a big part of that. But uh, and you know what you do here is is such a such a cool job. And I'm, but I'm wondering. Um, when you're talking with your family and your friends uh, about what you do, or people just ask you, you know, what it is you do for a living, what's their reaction when you tell them that you're a chef inside a prison? Well, a lot of people that I talk to, they they know that I work in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Some believe that, uh, or still think that it's food service department, and so sometimes I I get you know the the jokes about you know the food service. Uh, things that's going on and you know how we're feeding these guys and I and I tell them no that's that's food service and you know that is basically a subbed out position that that you know there's other companies that come in and feed the inmates uh, the residents but I'm up under education and so what I do is I teach a food service class and so once I get that across then they get a different uh, a different outlook on it. When I go to the food shows um, and, and I talk to different chefs, and when I when they see my name tag and they say, "Oh, you you're in corrections," and I say, "Well, yeah, I, I teach culinary arts program," and it, it changes the whole demeanor. They immediately a lot of people say, "Oh, that's that's a great thing that you do." You know, we you know you 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 should you you should feel good about that. And I never looked at it that way because I mean I I knew. Is something that I like to do, but I didn't know that the reason why I was doing it to other people it, it meant so much uh, to them because they would immediately say, "Well, you know, a lot of people don't give these guys a chance, and I can't believe that you're working in a prison when you could be working at a you know two three star restaurant." And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's just it's something I like to do. Uh, it, it, it is, it's amazing how these guys respond to creating uh, 
a project of, of just cookies or cakes and and from there they go into different sauces and and from there you know they complete a, a complete meal and and the response that they that they give or that they receive from the staff here it, it, it's amazing but for them to complete a project or to complete a full meal you know it, it's it's absolutely I mean it, it makes you feel good because a lot of guys don't know where their food comes from and sometimes we'll be talking about food and I remember last year we pulled up some potatoes out of the garden and the student said what's that at the bottom of that bush and I said those are your potatoes that's what we're going to make these mashed potatoes and french fries out of he didn't know that they came out the ground <laughs> and his response was well I just thought they came from the store which I mean they yeah they do but they had to come from someplace before they got to the store but he had never seen that before and so by him seeing that it gave him a whole different outlook on on the food and so when I take him out to the garden we have a garden in the back of our food tech class and we grow everything from potatoes and tomatoes and beans uh, greens kale asparagus strawberries raspberries peppers uh, cabbage the pretty much the whole gamut everything but corn we can't seem to get them corn stalks <laughs> you know we can't do that so uh, but everything else we grow and so they get a chance to pick the stuff and they go right from the garden 20 30 paces into uh, the food tech uh, room and so a lot of times we we prepare stuff that's been in the garden just an hour uh, prior to meal. So that's truly the uh, farm-to-table type uh, of uh, stuff that we have going on here. That's that's great. Well, um, you, aside from you know just the, the the amazing food that that you make, one of the other things that you're really known for is the uh, your annual gingerbread house. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. You know how how long you've been doing it and and who you do it for and 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 how you how you go about uh, creating that it's, it's really something for those who haven't seen it well right now we're in the process of uh doing this year's gingerbread house we have the walls uh pretty well constructed uh, we're putting candy on today um what we do is we we construct it and we glue with uh edible glue which is basically egg whites and corn uh, uh, powdered sugar and so we stick the candy the wrapped candy onto the building and so when we're completed right before we get into the uh, Christmas break we take the completed gingerbread house out to the visiting room and so uh, the residents inmates can let their family see this uh, gingerbread house and up until Christmas it's not uh, able to be touched it's basically for pictures but then after Christmas the next set of visitors that come in the kids are allowed to pull the candy off the house and consume the candy and it's it's wrapped so it you know it's it's still intact and nothing has been tampered or you know um, it's, it's okay for them to eat it and so the kids that come to visit their their fathers 
the the faces that that you see initially when we take it out there and set it up it, it's really amazing because first of all you've never seen a gingerbread house that that big you know the size it's it's pretty big it's uh, on a table and we take it out and uh, how big is it this year it is three probably two and a half feet high and three feet wide and this year's theme is uh, suburban living so it is a uh, stencil that we made by looking through a magazine uh, similar to Detroit Hour magazine but it is a different uh, metropolitan area magazine that has real estate houses for, for sale and so we looked through this book and we looked at this one house and we decided that this year we, we were going to you know replicate that one and so that's uh that's the format for this year so we've been doing it now for probably since 2010 that i can really remember that we really started to put stuff into it it started off as just a box and and from that point on every year we changed it and we've done castles and with with draw bridges and moats and um there's skating rings in front ponds in front of the house that you know it looks like someone can can skate on because we use the jolly rancher candy to melt it down uh the the turquoise and the green and it makes this uh pond looks like water and so it looks like a pond and, and we put people out in the pond and and it's gone on from there to to where we are today. So this, by far, would probably be the largest one uh, that we've made. Well, that's great. Well, I saw last year's when it was being put together, and then and then at the end, right before the the kids uh, got to eat, it, and I know that they probably look start looking forward to it every year, and so. Uh, if uh, if it's not done by the time this one comes up, we will definitely post a picture of last year's. But then once uh, this is all done, we'll make sure that we get a photo of, of this year's uh, gingerbread house, and we'll we'll get that up on Facebook and Twitter so everybody can can see it and, and take a look at it because um, they are they are something special to uh, to see. So. Um, but uh, but I just want to thank you, you know, for coming on. You know, everybody loves uh, our food tech programs, uh, and especially yours. You know, because what you do really is is valued, and and you are really changing uh, these the lives of these men. Um, and for those of you who have been to some of our big uh, events at the Vocational Village, um, you know, you're the one that caters those, and the reviews have been absolutely outstanding, uh, myself included. Um, I never knew I liked pumpkin soup um, <laughs> the, the last time I was there, but I left wanting seconds and the recipe. So uh, thank you for, for all that you do, and, and thank you for coming on with us today. Yes, sir, I really appreciate it. I, I, I hope that uh, this will bring, like I said, uh, light towards uh, these guys. So they can get out and, and really be productive because they absolutely positively, they're about the business of food service. There's no doubt about it. And so I, I think that it, it, it's a good uh, it's a good thing because they, they truly love uh, what they do. Well said, Chef, and thanks for coming on today. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me. So later this week, the newest edition of Corrections Connection will come out. Uh, and this month, our intern, Denna, wrote the cover story on holiday traditions inside the department, including the gingerbread house uh, that Chef Hill works on. So here's Denna with more. This edition of Corrections Connection will highlight different holiday traditions that are done with a few different offices. 
Those include Gus Harrison Correctional Fil- Facility, Lakeland Correctional Facility, the St. Clair Parole and Probation Offices, and the Berrien County Parole Office. At Gus Harrison, their holiday tradition is to grow poinsettias. This year they produced 385 poinsettias and they have donated those locally. This has been a holiday tradition since 2003. At Lakeland Correctional Facility, their holiday tradition is to build a gingerbread house. They have been doing this for many years. This year's theme is upscale urban urban living. The chef, a banking tutor, and a few inmates will spend 150 to 200 hours building this gingerbread house. At the St. Clair Parole and Probation Offices, they celebrate by having a festivist celebration, which is a different take on holiday traditions. They celebrate by having a holiday gathering and eating festive foods. Berrien County Parole Office partners with DHS and purchases Christmas presents for Adopt-A-Child Christmas Wish program. They also do Shop with a Cop. This is where local students are picked to buy Christmas presents for their family. This event is typically sponsored by former Detroit Lions running back Joyke Bell, who is a Benton Harbor native. Well, thanks, Dana, for the update, and thanks again to Chef Hill for for coming on today. But before we go, I just couldn't let the moment pass without uh, recognizing some really important news uh, that came out uh, this week in the Grand Rapids Business Journal, where the Vocational Village was named one of the Newsmakers of the Year. This is a huge, huge honor, and we're very, very appreciative uh, of the uh, of the mention. Um, and so, this is a really big deal. We issued a press release about it yesterday. You'll see the article uh, on our Facebook and our Twitter accounts. And if you're not familiar with with the, the Vocational Village, this is a great time to go back and listen to last week's podcast, where we talked with uh, Warden Burton uh, about the about the village. You can also learn more about it by going to the village's website at michigan.gov slash vocvillage. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag Ask Field Days. Tune in next week when we'll have Monica Drake, the communications representative for the Office of Performance and Transformation, where we'll talk employee engagement survey, which is coming up in February. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.